When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hej och hjärtligt välkomna till ett nytt avsnitt av Selpodden med mig, Christian Dahlström. Idag ska vi faktiskt inte prata om Silesisen trots att vinterfönstret stängde igår och innehöll några riktiga bomber. Ifall ni vill veta mer om det kommer faktiskt en total genomgång av fönstret imorgon istället där jag och Jesper Strandberg går igenom topplistan över de dyraste övergångarna men också våra egna topplistor över de bästa övergångarna och en liten recap av vad som hände de sista dagarna. Idag så ska vi istället köra ett insideravsnitt som alltså är ett lite mer dokumentärt och nördigt och i någon mån kanske mer tidlöst poddavsnitt än att bara prata om de senaste nyheterna och matcherna. I somras gjorde vi ju ett insiderprogram om Neymar-affären som var väldigt populärt där vi pratade om de geopolitiska och ekonomiska dimensionerna av Neymar-affären som väldigt få medier i Sverige rapporterade om. Gå gärna tillbaka och lyssna på det avsnittet om ni vill veta mer om den affären. Men idag ska vi istället prata om Expected Goals, förkortat XG som är ett modeord inom fotbollen just nu. Kortfattat kan man väl säga att det är ett statistiskt begrepp för att beskriva hur många och hur bra målchanser ett lag eller en spelare har haft i en match eller under en säsong. Expected goals som begrepp har inte funnits jättelänge och exakt när det etablerades är inte heller självklart. Enkla varianter av det här måttet har funnits väldigt länge. Till exempel har man ju vetat att ungefär var tionde skott ett lag avlossar blir mål. Så antalet skott avlossar under en match dividerat med 10 är en väldigt simpel form av expected goals kan man säga. Men även om den väldigt enkla versionen av expected goals faktiskt stämmer på ett ungefär över tid så har den givetvis stora brister. Det mest i ögonfallande är såklart vart på planen skottet tas. 
Skott från halva plan räknas lika mycket som en straffspark i en sån här modell och lag som tar mycket skott från distans får alldeles för höga värden då i förhållande till hur farliga deras chanser faktiskt har varit. Introduktionen av skottavstånd i de här beräkningarna kan man se som födelsen av den moderna formen av expected goals. Återigen är det inte helt säkert när det här skedde men jag har försökt få reda på ungefär när man började räkna på det här sättet. Jag gick in på Google Trends som är Googles tjänst för att se hur mycket olika sökord fluktuerar över tid. Varje liten peak i det här diagrammet jag fick fram från 2005 till idag representerar en månad då sökfrasen Expected Goals har använts mycket på Google. Och ett problem med det här diagrammet jag fick fram är ju att Expected Goals inte är en tillräckligt unik sökfras. Expected goals kan syfta på gravida kvinnors expected goals till exempel eller förväntade mål i ett börsföretags senaste kvartalsrapport. Om man pratar sporttermer kan expected goals också syfta på att supportrar är besvikna på sitt lag och förväntade sig mål i en särskild match eller syfta på en av de lite mer basic expected goals versionerna som jag nämnde tidigare som har rätt lite med dagens modeller att göra. Men när jag gick igenom alla små pikar i sökningar på expected goals och rensade bort gravida kvinnor, kvartalsrapporter och annat så var det den 12 april 2012 som en mer avancerad modell för att beräkna kvaliteten på en målchans föddes. I ett blogginlägg av statistikföretaget Optas Sam Green med rubriken Assessing the performance of Premier League goalscorers går han igenom en ny modell för att bättre fånga kvaliteten i en målchans med hjälp av statistik. Opta hade uppenbarligen vid det här laget börjat plocka upp statistik om exakt vart på planen ett skott avlossades. Dessutom hade man data på ifall det var nick eller ett skott med foten, om det kom efter hörna eller under en kontring eller via straffspark och så vidare. Och på så sätt kunde Sam Green skapa den tidigaste formen av ett mer avancerat expected goals mått. Modellen hade tydliga brister vilket Green var medveten om. Till exempel tar den inte hänsyn till försvararnas positioner eller om spelaren som sköt egentligen borde ha vinkats av för offside eller alla de farliga lägen som faktiskt uppstår under en match där spelaren aldrig kommer till avslut i slutändan. Men sedan dess har de här modellerna förändrats väldigt mycket. Mer och mer data går att mäta och matas in i modellerna. Men det är faktiskt inte säkert att de har blivit särskilt mycket bättre mycket går till exempel inte att mäta som ifall en match är uppgjord av ett spelsyndikat eller om fansens ilska eller medias rapportering påverkar spelarna mentalt. Bara för att ta några exempel. Och även om man lyckas fånga de viktigaste faktorerna har det visat sig svårare än man trott att konstruera beräkningsmodeller som viktar de olika variablerna rätt och är pålitliga över tid. Ett annat problem är att olika aktörer räknar på lite olika sätt vilket gör det svårt att jämföra de här siffrorna med varandra. Upphovsmännen vill dessutom inte gärna dela med sig av sina beräkningsmodeller eftersom det kostar mycket att ta fram en bra formel som man då helt enkelt inte vill ge bort gratis. I vilket fall som helst så har expected goals vuxit sig starkt de senaste åren och är nu ett modeord i fotbollsvärlden och särskilt stort är det bland fotbollsfans som gillar statistik som är en egen liten community på nätet. Måttet har också fått ett erkännande i både media och i själva fotbollsklubborna som mäter expected goals på ett eller annat sätt numera. Det verkligt stora genombrottet för allmänheten fick måttet den 12 augusti förra året i det brittiska tv-programmet Match of the Day. 
Den här fotbollsshowen som ni säkert känner till är ju en institution i England. Enligt Guinness rekordbok är Match of the Day det tv-program i världen som har funnits längst. Det första avsnittet sändes redan den 22 augusti 1964. Varje avsnitt har ungefär 7 miljoner tittare och i programmet som sändes lördagen den 12 augusti 2017 under eftermatchen-intervjun med Antonio Conte vars Chelsea just förlorat premiären mot Burnley så rullade statistik från matchen i nedre högra hörnet av tv-rutan. Bollinhav visades först, sen skott, skott på mål, hörnor och expected goals. 1,53 för Chelsea och 0,64 för Burnley. Chelsea borde alltså ha vunnit matchen eftersom man skapade flest bra målchanser men förlorade den alltså istället med 2-3. Där har ni alltså grunderna och en kort historiebeskrivning av Expected Goals ganska korta historia. Men nu ska vi istället fokusera mer på vad det här måttet egentligen är för någonting och vilka problemen med måttet är. Och för att hjälpa oss med det här så pratade jag igår eftermiddag med Michael Burton som arbetar som dataanalytiker i Chicago- Han är också en riktig fotbollsnörd och har skrivit en hel del om statistik i fotbollsvärlden på olika sajter på nätet. Bland annat ett blogginlägg från 2015 som heter Why Soccer's Most Popular Advanced Stat Kind of Sucks. Som alltså handlar specifikt om expected goals. Eftersom det kan vara svårt att hänga med i intervjun så tänkte jag ge er en kort sammanfattning av den innan jag spelar upp den för er. Michael är som ni kommer att höra delvis skeptisk till expected goals-måttet. Framförallt ifrågasätter han beräkningarna bakom och precisionen de säger sig ha. I intervjun nämner han R-squared som är ett statistiskt mått mellan 0 och 1 på hur väl en modell fångar verkligheten. Där 1,0 är perfekt och 0,0 är att den inte förklarar någonting alls. Men det är ett vanskligt mått enligt Michael därför att det fel använt kan ge intrycket av att en modell är mycket bättre än den i själva verket är. Det är i någon mening också ett relativt begrepp och dessutom kan man inte använda det på icke-linjära samband. Den delen i mitten av intervjun som handlar om R-squared kan ni hoppa över om ni tycker att det blir för tekniskt. I resten av intervjun berättar Michael i varje fall om andra problem med expected goals som att de riktigt bra lagen tenderar att slå expected goals uppskattningarna gång på gång vilket visar på en svaghet i beräkningsmodellerna. Dessutom berättar han om osäkerhetsmomentet som beror på att fotbollen förändras över tid. Han berättar till exempel om minskningen av antalet genomskärar i spelet och hur det påverkar modellernas träffsäkerhet. Han berättar även att datan från Optas register registreras för hand och att de därmed påverkas av den mänskliga faktorn. Sammanfattningsvis så tycker han att det finns mycket inbyggd osäkerhet i måttet expected goals. Modellerna blir dessutom inte så mycket bättre med tiden som man kanske kan tro. Men att det här fortfarande är ett bra mått som säger mycket mer än skott eller skott på mål. Fast att det ändå är viktigt att man känner till den här osäkerheten och inte ser expected goals som en oantastlig sanning. Med det sagt så ringer vi väl upp Michael Burton i Chicago mitt i det som var hans frukost igår morse. Okay, uh, Michael Burton is a writer and data analyst living in Chicago. He's also a football fan and has written some really interesting pieces on analytics in football. First off, uh, welcome Michael, how are you? Uh, I'm doing well, thanks for having me. So... In the last couple of years, the statistical analysis of football has become more and more advanced and relied upon. The trendiest measure right now is expected goals, uh, a way of trying to evaluate the quality of scoring chances in the game. 
But uh, while expected goals sounds pretty sophisticated, it certainly has its flaws. And Michael, could you explain to me in a simple way why this measure probably isn't that great, at least yet? Uh, in simple terms, uh, because especially at the individual shot level, uh, there's just a ton of uncertainty still left in the probability you assign to whether or not that shot is going in. That simple enough? Could you could you um, explain more in what sense it's uh, not working? Um, I mean, when you build a model, right? You you dump in all these factors. Uh, the biggest ones being how far away the shot is, the visible angle toward the goal. Uh, was the shot from uh, a set piece, a dead ball situation? Uh, was it a header? Uh, did it come from a corner? So all of those factors influence the probability of the shot going in, right? You, you get a, a coefficient when you build a model on that variable and, you know, it's either significant or it's not, and it's either contributes positively or negatively. Uh, and so, you know, when you run, you take a, you know, you can take a couple hundred thousand shots. It, opted data, I guess now goes about six, seven years. So when you factor in all the major European leagues and even some of the smaller leagues they're collecting for, you can get an awful lot of shot data Uh, which is really good to help you build a model in terms of, you know, what the model's accuracy. Uh, and then you find what you do this is uh, you still have a ton of residual deviancy left in your model. In other words, you're explaining some uh, of what makes a shot, you know, likely to be a goal or not, but there's still a ton of deviance you're not explaining. Okay. And so, so what's missing? Uh, we don't know. <laughs> some of it is just inherent. Uh, variability, unpredictability. Uh, you know, I think just recently, <coughs> sorry, I think just recently, uh, is it uh, Merrick Kiyakowski? I think it's his last name. Uh, he's another one of the prominent guys uh, online who does stats, uh, football stats. Just recently, within the last six months, did something where he sort of figured out that, yeah, definitively, shooting skill is a thing, right? So that's not something, that's something we thought was the case that an individual player can affect. Uh, the degree to which the, the, the probability of a shot goes in. But uh, you know, it's only recently we think mathematically, like someone's actually done a good job of saying, yeah, that's an actual thing. Uh, you know, there are other, I don't say hidden variables, but things that we just haven't found uh, that'll explain a little bit more of it. Um, you know, you sort of, any additional work you do, you're kind of working around the margins to try to get it a little bit better. But uh, I guess still there has to be a lot of factors that you can't, uh, for instance, like match fixing and that kind of stuff. That's, uh, you know, yeah. you, you could probably never get uh, that, those kind of, uh, I don't know what's called data. Sure. And that's something that I never even thought of until you just said it. But yeah, like one of the presuppositions you make when you when you grab all the data is that like all the matches are on the level, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Never even occurred to me like, oh, yeah, you may be looking at a fixed match, uh, you know, less likely in the Premier League. But if you're digging up data from, I don't know, I mean, I guess they do the Brazilian League and the Argentine League opted as data for. And that's another thing, right? <coughs> Sorry. The data is hand collected by Opta, right? The people who do games, and they've got a pretty sophisticated system from what, from what I understand about collecting. But sometimes, you know, there'll be an on-the-ball event that has 8, 10, 12 parameters associated with it. That they're trying to do in real time, so that you know, there's just the human fallibility in data. Uh, there was another guy um, who did a, a, a post a couple years ago about how the number of through balls had just plummeted in in death. Through balls are really important because that leads to really really good oppor shooting opportunities. 
So, uh, you know, having that coefficient, it's, it's pretty nice in terms of, you know, when it happens, if the shot comes from a through ball, the probability is going up, but the number of through balls that had been marked in the data had dropped precipitously over a couple of seasons. So there's, there's, been, you know, sort of consistency and accuracy in the data itself, which causes problems. Uh, and that's something I think, uh, pretty important i guess to understand that that's there I, let me give an example uh um well no no go ahead and ask your next question did that, <laughs> does that explain I feel like I'm, I feel oh like well I'm not. so I, I i guess there's some uh some variables that we probably will never uh, be able to pick up but if you get the most important ones you can uh, you can get uh some way with this measure but not perhaps all the way but it's been three years since you posted your blog post on this subject. And back then, uh, there were no models that were accurate and solid enough, in your opinion. Has that changed uh, since then? Are they better no, today? They're probably still about the same. Uh, and, you know, I think R squared was topping out around 0.22 on my best models, depending on what I dumped in. Uh um, I, I think one time I got like 0.28 and I, I, I was, I was, I was like sitting in on a, uh, a guest lecture and I was just kind of dinking around and I'd forgotten what I did. So when I got home, uh, I couldn't <laughs> replicate it. But at one point, I think like around 0.28 was about the highest R squared I got for any of my models. Uh, but I mean, that's the thing. Like R squared isn't the be all end all. You can have models with zero R squared that can still be valuable if you've got good, you know, a couple of good coefficients, you know, that, okay, if I push this lever, I'm going to get some sort of reaction over here. Um, so and that's the thing, I guess, the, another one of the problems I had with uh, when I did my model, because, you know, it was, it was sort of an exercise for me and like, let's see how this actually works. What are you finding? And you want to see if you can get things that like, OK, if I do this, it will help me win football games. Right. Uh, and I was just totally unsurprised with either the which coefficients were significant and the degree to which they were. So how much influence they were having on a shot. Now, in hindsight, I'm probably a little harsh on there. There are things that are definitely undervalued in football, or at least three years ago, people were still not certain how accurately valued they were, which I think are just sort of very well accepted by people doing stats in terms of, like, here's what you need to work on, right? Like, dead, And I think for some people, like, dead ball situations are still horribly undervalued. Like, that's your best opportunity to either get a shot, engineer a shot that's really, really close to the target. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, but when when you wrote this uh, blog post, they, uh, there were some... Uh, Models that um, said that they had like a R squared value of 0.97. Uh, could you explain wh- why that's not oh, well possible or, or not right in those cases uh, at least? Uh, so uh, the model I believe you're, you're referring to is Michael Cayley's, right? He's probably the most popular guy online. He does the, the goal plots. He's, uh, um, and the thing was, uh, and I, you know, I. I don't want to get into the politics of it, but I didn't realize how political uh, the stats community online was. Uh, so uh, I, you know, I took a lot, of, a lot of heat, I guess. I don't know. Um, but so one of my best professors, you know, the the most basic thing he, he sort of instilled in us that that sticks with me is, uh, look, when you're building models, you're trying to find signal in noise. Right. That's what you're doing. I mean, that's such a basic concept. I think that's what Nate Silver called his book. Right. The signal and the noise. It's just the fundamental concept. So when you start with like, hey, here's all my data and I'm going to throw ninety nine point nine percent of it away and just think of everything as signal. uh, That's not, I think, the best method to proceed in model making. So what happened in that model was uh, he had just sort of taken shots by distance and quote unquote bin them. And then had created a curve of just like, okay, here's how many shots at this distance go in, right, for like buckets of every two meters or something. And there was a really nice smooth curve, right? So uh, like what he had done was he had fit an R squared for that curve, which is sort of bad for two reasons. A, uh, R squared doesn't really work for curved things. It's just not a good measure. And B, like you said, it sort of gives the implication that uh, this model was extraordinarily accurate. Uh, which it's not. Uh, expected gold models are not extraordinarily accurate. Uh, you know, in, if I had the chance to do it all over again, I'd actually contacted uh, Michael uh, before I wrote the piece, and he just got back to me with a link to his his piece on Sports Nation, which explained it. So we didn't have the chance to talk about it. But like, ultimately, you can eyeball things. Like, rather than say, "Hey, this is a ridiculously good fit," where you're not using the right tool to measure it, you can literally just eyeball it and say, "Hey, that curve fits pretty good," right? I mean. Is that's an okay thing to say. And look, you still get a model when you do that. And because most of the information in uh, a shot, like the probability of making your shot, most of the information is in the distance, you can still get good numbers. Uh, but again, uh, I think one of, the, one of the things that's important about your model is knowing how accurate it is or isn't, right? So knowing that you really still have a ton of residual deviance is pretty important which you wouldn't get if you threw out all the information and just fit, you know, uh, uh, a second order to occur. But what you're saying is uh, that uh, these uh, models are, uh, even those that uh, on the surface seem to have a pretty uh, good accuracy, they're not uh, as good as you think. And if you replicate them throughout time, you'll see that they're not uh, on target uh, like you showed in the blog post where, um, I don't know if there, if it's Optus uh, model or which one it was, but to some degree they uh, have a pretty good fit. But some teams tend to overperform uh, 
or underperform, I guess, uh, in the long run. And that's that's if if the model was perfect, that wouldn't happen. Yeah, that's. I mean, it, 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 the, so the thing that I was getting to there was, uh, like, we're missing on the best teams, right? Like the, the teams that are really good are are, are always over performing and you can say well that's what makes them good but we'd like to capture that we'd like to know what we can put into the the model that tells us what they're doing that makes them do that that makes that happen and that's hey that's how we'll find better players or that's how we'll we'll win more games so that was my you know one of my complaints was that we're just missing the really important stuff another question that i i as a, an amateur think uh, it should be pretty a pretty huge uh, obstacle here is that just the mere fact that there are no standards uh, for measuring expected goals i imagine that must be a pretty big problem when it comes to statistical analysis right how can you compare stats if you if they're not based on the same model yeah so that's another thing everybody's model is different right nobody uses different methodologies uh, uh there's one guy who does like a forward step right forward stepwise regression for his um i did uh, a lasso regularization model for mine um so yeah it's and there are people that use non-shot models right they're not even they're using all the other information in gameplay uh not the shot information itself uh and some of those are kind of interesting right there's a guy who does them for the lower leagues in england the, the one league two where he's just i think he's scraping text from uh the game description on the bbc site and building an expected goals model from that which i think is pretty <laughs> interesting. it's probably not extraordinarily accurate it, it, it's close it's close enough to give you an idea of like who the quote-unquote better team on the balance of play was ben mayhew i think is his name if you want to look him up online uh, okay but even if there's no standard uh i guess opta is the you know the big uh company doing this the the most uh relied upon uh, stats uh Uh, but if if you would compare uh, Opta's expected goals uh, measure to other measures like shots on goal and uh, shots off target and and actual goals, uh, what's what's better in your opinion? It's a it's a it's far superior metric than just shots shots on target or any of those other things. Uh, just the the generic stats you get when you've watched games in the past at the telecast will show. Yeah, like expected goals is, is is vastly superior to that. And for all the for all the crap I take about having written that piece, and you know, uh, I'm pretty sure I, I I did say explicitly toward the end that uh, being able to put a probability on a shot is extraordinarily valuable. There is a lot of value in that, uh, and it is much it is a, a huge advance in terms of how we can quantify things that happen in football i'm quoting your blog post you you write that that even a numerical clue as to where to start looking for an edge can ultimately lead to points on the table so uh, uh even in this uh, pretty uh, harsh blog post you you actually give some credit to this measure but how could someone like me that like you know the average fan think about expected goals what what does it tell me tells you how good of shots your team is getting and the chances the likelihood they will win given those shots and i mean and the thing is like are you getting more and better shots are, are your shots closer uh are you taking shots that are closer to on target uh sorry closer to the target not on target but, but closer to goal than they are farther away right do you have more olivier Giroud's? Then you have Philip Coutinho's, right? Yeah. Philip Coutinho takes horrible shots from distance, right? Or do you have? Sorry, my dog is is barking in the background. No problem. Um, 
Or do you have people who can get in the box and get shots from really close? Yeah. And uh, there's a, a good post uh, by a guy named Danny Page who sort of talked about uh, your win probabilities based on the quality of your shots. Uh, and you actually, if you have the same total probabilities from your expected goals, you'll actually win more with fewer good shots than with more bad shots. Uh, okay, I, d I didn't follow there. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Uh, <clears throat> basically, you want more good shots. Yeah. Okay. Right. You you want you want to take that. That sounds so basic and dumb, right? Like <laughs> all this math and all of this advanced analytics to yeah. take does you take better shots? Yeah. It's so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but in some way, I was I was thinking about this the other day, and uh, um, like one way of using using it could actually be like. Uh, that you know with games that i watch myself i'm probably going to rely pretty much on my own opinion uh, even uh, in the future you know on whether or not a team played well but uh, perhaps the expected goals could give me some uh, information or or be a, a contrast to what my own my own opinion of a game i watched but mo more than that perhaps be uh, one of the tools to you know, evaluate games that I didn't watch. Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. And, and going back to the games you did watch, I, I think it's very valuable for the casual fan who will sort of watch a game and see what they think is a big chance and see something like, oh, he's got a score there, right? Yeah. yeah. Turns out that that was really only like a one in five chance. Yeah. Right? Some things look much better than they actually are. So being able to get a grasp on that is you know, I think really fundamental to understanding what's happening in football and why your team does and doesn't win. Yeah. Uh, and you look at things like, you know, if you if you watch any Tony Pulis teams in England, <laughs> they'd say they put 10 men behind the ball and they'd look to get one or two chances on the counter. Right. Yeah. Well, you're forcing your opponent to take really, really bad shots and maybe not even that many of them. Or if they are getting seven, eight, nine, they're really bad shots. And you're trading that for your team getting one or two pretty good opportunities. Yeah. So people, it's frustrating to watch. It's not fun football. But if you're a fan of that team and you're playing a superior opponent, it's incredibly effective. It, it, once you sort of see that mathematically, you're like, wow, I hated watching that. But that's good strategy for my football manager. All right. Thanks a lot, Michael, for joining us. It was really interesting to hear you uh, talk about uh, the concept behind uh, expected goals. Uh, if my listeners want to talk to you about this issue, can they find you online? Uh, yeah, uh, they can find me on Twitter, uh, and it's at Burton Burton, which is just my last name, spelled B-E-R-T-I-N. Do it twice. Yeah. Uh, uh, and if I can't answer it, I'll happily re refer you to bother someone who's m much smarter than I am. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Michael. I hope to uh, have you join us uh, again in the future when we need help uh, with a number crunching thing. Yeah, I hope I wasn't too technical and I uh, hope your listeners enjoy it. Uh, thank you very much. Okay, bye. Have a good day. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.